Broadcasting live from Baradur on the plain of Arda, this is Tap Tap Concede. Welcome everybody to Tap Tap Concede. My name is Graham. Joining me is Kathleen. Hello. And Nelson. I am also here. And I said Arda because last time I said the plain of Middle Earth, which is, I was informed, technically not correct. Right. Arda is the name of the... The world. The Earth, basically. The planet. Yeah. And then Middle Earth is this part of it. Yeah. And condolences to whoever's bridge of their nose was forcibly collapsed from the pressure from their glasses. Uh, We're talking about Lord of the Rings this week, but before we do that, we want to remind you, of course, that this show is brought to you by Card Kingdom. Please check out cardkingdom.com slash LRR for all of your card needs. Someone literally just sent me a tweet like moments ago saying that they and their friend both ordered draft boxes this this person from Card Kingdom and their friend from Amazon and theirs has arrived and the Amazon one hasn't. Shah, shah, shah. Yeah. And and not only did it arrive first, it also included a great bonus. What button came with it, Graham? Oh yes, the uh, the new Card Kingdom button. If you say "Loading Ready Run Sent Me" button, please, I'll give you a little button which right now says, "I think I'm just Dan Dan here." Oh, <laughs> Dan Dan community, take note. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. Uh, and of course, this show and everything we do is brought to you by you and your kind support of our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/LoadingReadyRun. We really appreciate it. Thank you. So between the pre-pre-release and the early access event and the last sort of week or so, mm-hmm. we've had some amount of chance to dabble with the limited environment for Lord of the Rings, Tales of Middle-Earth. And Sorry, mayhem is happening just off screen. So yeah. Very, very low-key mayhem. Hello, Baxter. Yeah. yeah. That's Finnegan. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's, He's that's gotten the, big now. Yeah. That's He's the rare brown cat. Yeah. Okay. Uh... So yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about Lord of the Rings uh, Limited and our thoughts on it and first impressions. And my sort of biggest impression, I would say my number one takeaway, is synergy. Holy moly. Yes. There is the, all the different strategies synergize so well. Uh, I think it was, I was, uh, I was playing a Boros deck with... Rosie Cotton of South Lane, who of mm-hmm. course is, you would think, is for the sort of... The, the food deck. The halfling-themed food deck, right? Uh, Rosie Cotton, by the way, is, in, is a, just a wild card in Limited. She's kill on yeah. site in Limited. Yeah. She's pretty important, yeah. Uh, two and a white for a 1-1 one, one ETB creative food token. And whenever you create a token, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control other than Rosie. But in Boros, you have the um, access to... Oh, what's it called? Shoot. Hang on. It's a, something of Moria. Just a moment. It's a two and a red sorcery. Uh, oh, that make a make a two sets of tokens, right? Like yeah, you treasure, make a treasure and, and a mass, mass two. two. Yeah, yeah. What's that one called? It's three mana. Yeah. Swarming of Moria. Swarming of Moria. The swarming. So that's two rosy cotton triggers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very good. And a mana. Yeah. <laughs> to like make another token with or something. Right. Yeah, it's that's it's it's really cool. And mm-hmm. just sort of seeing those instances where it's like, you know, uh there's a lot of instances where it's like, okay, this this these cards are obviously for different strategies, but they still work together here. Uh is it, 
there, there's, there's a lot of synergy going on in this in this limited environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a few of the synergies that sort of cross over rely upon the like generous use of the word token, like with Rosie Cotton. Um, I had a draft deck with five mana Aomer of the Ritter Mark, uh, uncommon legendary human knight of five four haste, and whatever this attacks. If you control a creature with the greatest power among creatures on the battlefield, make a one one human soldier, and that that Aomer really likes Gog. Was it Goth Mog, Morgul Lieutenant? Yes, that makes yeah. all your uh, tokens have death touch. All your tokens get death touch, not just your mass token. Mm-hmm. Um, so Goth Mog really likes to see things that can put out other kinds of creature tokens. Um, and yeah, both I'm a fan of both of those cards, uh, even when they're not together. I had a red, sorry, I had a green black deck with. Uh, I think it's Peregrine Took. So okay. it's the 2-3 green creature that whenever you... Uh, if one or more tokens would be created under your control, those tokens plus an additional food are created. I'm actually only just now realizing the first part of that is any token. Yep. So if you have yeah. if you have a red-green deck in Pippin and Swarming of Moria, then you make your treasure and a food, and you amass orcs and a food, because those are different abilities? I think that's right. You're creating a token on each line. I mean, could could maybe hit the the oracle or, notes to yeah, double maybe, check. But maybe you only I, get one. But anyway, I, I was using yeah. it for food. That's Okay, that's amazing. Anyway, also you sack three foods to draw a card. Um, but yeah, in the red-black deck, there's a uh, saga that is the Oath of the Grey Host, it's uncommon saga, three and a black. You and target opponent each create a food. So you do give your opponent a food, but I think it pays off okay. Uh, as, again, especially if you're you have if you have Pippin and you're making two food. Um, then chapter two, each opponent loses loses three life, and and you make a treasure token. And then on the third step, you make three tapped, but still three one one white flying spirits. That, that they come into play tapped is devastating. It is, that's pretty rough. Because like <laughs> I definitely lost a game where I was like, all right, I'm gonna get three. I'm behind, but I'm getting three one ones, and then they came into play tapped. I was like, oh, I'm dead. Oh well. But, but if you I have this card, does yeah. If you have Rosie or Pippin, well, at that with, point with, I, with this card, it's pretty crazy, right? Yes, at that point I didn't though. So this card by itself, it works well with other people with other powerful creatures i don't know how great this card is on its own or when you're behind <laughs> yeah 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 it's maybe not a good good card when you're behind i did I, recently beat this card just because it doesn't add to the board yet i do um i do want to talk about uh and i imagine this is this has been a matter of much discussion maybe i'm wrong but so the ring the ring tempts you uh i said this during the early access event as well um, but I wanted to get it down on record on TapTap um, that uh, there was discussion before it came out about, like, this is all upside. Uh, you know, there's no negative effects to being tempted by the ring. You know, it's flavor failure. And Mark Rosewater, you know, answered this on his on his Tumblr and was like, well, we, 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 we experimented with it. And it turns out people don't like playing <laughs> with negative mechanics. Mm-hmm. And it's like, OK, that's fair. 
I why would I do something that's bad for me? Yeah, I would argue that it's actually flavorfully great. I actually think that from a flavor perspective, the ring tempts you is is actually very good. And here's my reasoning for it: um, the ring bearer thinks it's awesome. The ring bearer, as as far as the person holding the ring is concerned. There is no downside. Why would there be? It's your precious. It's perfect. Everything's great. It just gets better and better. Everyone else is like, we got to stop that thing. <laughs> and it's, it, it really, especially as your emblem increases, it really puts a target on the ring bearer uh, in a way that I find uh, very interesting. That like... You know, you make blocks you might not make otherwise. Like, yeah, I'm gonna have to put like a one one and a two two in front of that thing because my bigger creatures can't just eat it. You know, I, I've got to I've got to try and trade off here, or like I have to use this removal spell on that one three because if, I'm if, gonna bounce a token because you made it your ring bearer. Yeah, right. And it's like I don't know. I think that flavorfully, those how it ends up working mechanically is actually quite flavorful. Is so, how I. I sort of worded that sentence in an unusual way, but yeah, I don't know. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. It sort of gives the opponent the feeling of, you know, Sauron in the tower, like trying to find this hobbit, like, ah, oh, am I really going to spend this three damage spell to kill a one, one? I don't know what else I'm going to do. I don't just want my opponent to loot all day. Yeah, right? exactly. I can't, how much advantage are they allowed to get before it becomes a problem? Uh, yeah. Also, I've noticed that the ring may as well say targets, one one has skulk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so many one ones. The uh the one three elf. I think it's L- Lorian Lookout or something. Oh, that scries. That scries. Very good ring bearer. Yep. Because you yeah, lost Lorian Lookout because you get to scry and then uh scry and then loot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's good. But yeah, I've had people get up to very quickly get up to four. Uh, I had someone with like they were like. Birthday escape, golem. Birthday escape, something else, and it's like, oh, it's already at four, and I'm like, yeah. Birthday escape's a messed up card too, by the way. This single blue mana sorcery draw card, the ring tempts you. So it's is a cantrip. Is that messed up? <laughs> but in limit in this okay. limited format, I think it is. All right, interesting. I mean, in the in the in the lens of magic, no. Right. Okay. No, it's not my uh, favorite card from the set. But no, no it's not yeah. my favorite either. But I think that it's 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 very good. In I've seen it in sort of like blue black um, control kind of stuff. Yeah, blue black temptation. Right. Like it was like a blue black deck, re- really focusing on getting the ring to level four as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and blue red. Finnegan, no, sorry. Uh, <sighs> Just to put some paws on the shelves. Blue red spells is the other one. Thanks for joining our Magic the Gathering podcast, I mean, where we talk about Magic the Gathering. Yeah, we're <laughs> we're remote this week because the new moon base still isn't fully operational yet. Cats. What That's maybe the coolest sentence to have moon base in, Ooh. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can I uh, can I talk a little bit? So my experience with this is I've been busy and grumpy. Uh, this week so i didn't want to like do a draft because if i scrubbed out of a draft which is very likely when you're doing a format for the first time i didn't want to feel grumpier than i already did so i decided 
I just know my emotional yeah, state. Yeah, no, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't questioning you. Don't worry. Uh, so I decided I want to play with these new cards, but I need a lower stakes way of doing it. Um, so I've been playing some Jumpstart because they have Lord of the Rings Jumpstart on Arena. So you get to pick packs and stuff like that. The problem with Jumpstart is I don't think I've ever played with Birthday Escape, uh, despite the fact that I have taken, like, I've done about four of them. So I've taken, like, the red blue spells one but that card wasn't in there because they have non lord of the rings cards mixed in with the jumpstart which is very frustrating but also they did have third path iconoclast in this red blue spells one and that card is messed up <laughs> less in, frustrating in in limited well that was great for me though mm, i love that card um but like i don't want to play brothers war cards necessarily when i'm trying to play this but it uh did um it was, it's sort of been a good way to sort of get used to the format. And I have to say, my observation about this format from what I've seen without... I've done one Phantom Sealed, uh, is that uncommons are where it's at. The uncommons are all very powerful. Like, in some cases, they're more useful than the rares, I find. Mm. I think that's fair. Excuse me. I want to talk about a weird standout that's sort of important in the ring temps you metagame. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a common two-mana artifact creature, uh, creature type Scarecrow. It's a 0-3 defender, and it can fix your mana a little bit. It's called Shire Scarecrow. Oh. And this card just exists to be a 0-3. It doesn't have reach, but... You know, in the early in the early game, usually if they have a ring bearer, it's like it's probably not a flyer. Like the flyers take a bit more mana usually. So like if you want to get a cheap creature down and also make it your ring bearer right away, like this thing could probably block it. Mm. Um and like the mana right, fixing comes anything. up occasionally. Yeah, it's got zero power, which weirdly in the skulk meta is relevant, mm. right? Um, another kind of relevant one, although I find because the fire breathing is so expensive that this doesn't come up that much, but one of the like ring tempts you trick sort of metagame pieces is Goblin Fire Leaper, I think it's called. That card's really good. Well, it's sort of important, right? It plays an important role where it, like any any creature, um, and this is an uncommon, but um, any creature that's easy to get your hands on that can change its power is relevant, right? Yeah, because you can attack when it's a one power, and then, because it can't be blocked by creatures the greater power, but then once blocks are declared and it's unblocked, you can pay to pump it. And if they do kill it, you can pump it up in response, and then you can zap something else, too. Yeah, and on the on the flip side, you can block a one power attacker, but then pump its power up to be able to kill it, because like, there's, you know, there's Frodo, and there's other sort of one threes or one fours. Oh, like that elf. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Like, you can become, yeah. But it's four mana to pull off that trick. So, you know, your opponent's going to see it coming, obviously. But it's still, it's a piece of the puzzle, right? Like being able to do that or or having pump spell tricks. You know, it's like we say this every limited set or whatever. It's like these pump spells are pretty good, you know? Yeah. Um, but in this format, there's this extra value of like blocking with a 1-1 one, one token or whatever and then giving it four power so that he eats the ring bear. The um, Golem's Bite Mm. Uh, is not a combat. Well, it, it can't. I guess it can be a combat trick. But um, turn. Uh, they reprinted Disfigure in. Was it Brothers War? Yes. Yeah, I think. So. And I was yeah. like, I was like, oh, cool, Disfigure. This will be great. And it was medium. Black so busted in standard right now already. Yeah. In that format. Yeah. Uh, disfigure was like only sort of okay. 
in this in this format, Gollum's Bite, which is the same but with more text afterwards, uh, is very good. There's a lot of things that this kills. Uh, and then, yeah, it's sorcery speed. Remember, it is sorcery speed. It sits in your graveyard, and then you get to you get to just get tempted. I will point out it's another uncommon. The uncommons in this set are bananas good. Yeah. Like, the uncommon power level is high. The uh, uh, I also really like, there's a, there's a big synergy, of course, with legendary creatures. Because, mm-hmm. of course, I think someone actually said, I think I heard Kenji say there were more legendary creatures than non-legendary creatures and i i believe it I, I believed it i didn't i didn't independently confirm this but i believe it um uh but you know you you got to remember when you're looking at a card and being like this card cares about legendary creatures is that any good you got to remember if you're being tempted your ring bearer is legendary and so that's like a that's super important uh like i've i've had things that have gone very well and badly uh by sort of misremembering that where like um the elf i quite like this elf the one one scry elf haunt of the dead marshes oh yeah that that elf is good so one one for one nightmare elf etb scry one and then for three mana you can return to the battlefield tapped uh at instant speed but only if you control legendary creature and uh i've had points where i've been like okay and then end of turn i'll end of their turn i'll do that and then my they kill my ring bearer, and I'm like, yeah, yep, yep, sure. And then I, of course, I realize, whoops, wait, that was my only legendary creature. Now I can't return this haunt to the dead marshes. Um, there have been instances where it's gone better, but I can't remember any offhand. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a sad time if your haunt of the dead marshes is stuck in the graveyard in this set. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of just good commons in black, Dunland. Creebane. Creebane? <laughs> yeah. Love Creebane. Dunland Creebane. Creebane from Dunland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you get two bodies. You get a 1-1 one, one flying ring bearer. It's so good. That yeah. that bird has carried that ring for me so many miles. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah. um, uh, what was, um, the other, th- oh, shoot. Nope. It's gone. There was something else I was going to. I was going to mention, oh, the bats, right. Also that green black deck I was talking about earlier, Mirkwood bats. We've talked about the bats. Um, I think they're, they're quite powerful. Honestly. It's another one of the rosy cotton Peregrine took situations, right? Where it's like, yeah. it's just says, good. just says token on it. So yeah, it ends yeah. up being super messed up. So yeah, yeah, two, three flyer for four mana, which is like not great rate, but the ability is, yeah. Whenever you create or sacrifice a token, uh, each opponent loses one life. So that combined with a card that I I initially thought was very underwhelming in the uh, Brandywine Farmer. Two and a yes. green for a one one. Whenever Brandy or when Brandywine Farmer enters or leaves the battlefield, create a food token. So you can have Brandywine Farmer come in, you get a food, ping them with the bats, then you can like ideally trade if they have a one one, but you know you can just chump whatever their uh, ring bearer is, save yourself some life, get another food, and you ha- you also have six health and food sitting there. Uh, I I actually used um, Sam's Desperate Rescue on a Brandywine Farmer. I didn't have anything much better to do on turn four, so I was like, yeah, all right, let's do this. Tempt myself with the ring, get back the farmer, play another thing, get you know get more food. I was up to like six food. It was really silly. Um. 
So yeah, I when I first saw Brandywine Farmer, I was like, I don't know. And then I read the Or Leaves, and I was like, oh, maybe. But it turns out the synergy is very strong. You just want to make those tokens. Yeah. In the same vein, if you have Butterbur, Bree, Innkeeper, two green-white for a 3-3 legendary human peasant, oh, yeah. every turn you get a food token as long as you don't have a food token oh. in your end step. So another great combo with either Rosie or the Bats. Um, or you can, if you have a Nimble Hobbit, you can make sure you keep using those food tokens. If you have Mushroom Watchdogs, you can feed the tokens to the dogs every yeah, turn. absolutely, yeah. I, I just love that the flavor is like, oh, you've... You've finished. Please have more. <laughs> yeah. No, no, really, I can't. No, no, sir. It's only wafer thin. <laughs> Just a thin mint. Yeah. This is um, something. Something really cool that I noticed is that they figured out a couple different ways to prevent um, to prevent the armies from getting um, uh, disabled in a really in a way that feels really bad. Um, Cause like there's, there's cards that can exile and destroy and do damage and all that. And that's fine. That's, that's, those are normal cards, but uh, blue has the sort of the lockdown enchantments and this one, the leech craft, the something leech craft, the witching leech, the witching leech craft. Uh, this will lock anything down, but what you don't want to be in a situation where you have an army in play that you can't use and then suddenly all your amass cards are just sort of the amass part is being wasted because they just keep loading up on this this plank that's enchanted right so bewitching leechcraft lets you untap the army if you take a counter off it so you know uh, again specifically the armies this still like it it sucks and it makes the army shrink all the time but it 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 doesn't just it's you don't have the the bad feels of like well i guess i i guess i just get to look at your hand to make you discard a card but the amass two from this golems whatever is just going somewhere useless because i can't do anything with it uh similarly the white uh sort of the um the arrest for this set fog on the barrow downs mm -hmm. turns the creature into a spirit and not other creature types, meaning it's no longer an army. So if you have an army that's been that's had this arrest effect on it, and you amass, you'll make a new one and oh. start and start amassing there. And I I just think these are both very clever ways to avoid a like super bad field scenario where you're just sitting staring at this ever increasing army that's useless. Similarly, uh, dealing with tokens in in blue can. Uh be done with unsummons like like bounce effects we usually say and the only one in this set that costs less than four mana says non-token creature on it like you can you can cast something in smeagol it's one in a blue for an instant but it only returns a non-creature or a non-token creature that was the other one thank you i was like i know there was another thing i was thinking of that sort of fits in this yeah, there's three other bounce spells, but they cost four or five mana. There, yeah. there is a there's sort of a white bounce ish spell. It's like two white, and it's like you can target. It has to be a legendary creature. So if somebody has made their orcs a ring bearer, which happens more often than you think, mm. uh, you can get them there. But that's a very edge case, and the card's not super great otherwise. Right. I yeah, I kind of like that. Right, where it's like, you know, 
if if you end up in the weird scenario where you made lost your, a legend lost a legend yeah, yeah white white instant if you if you turned your army into a legendary creature now you can be gotten by this uncommon i don't know is the card like fairly playable into it's probably fourth from the top so this is almost exile target legendary creature i mean it is it's pretty darn good and like i've definitely used it to good effect it was in a jumpstart pack and i thought oh no no i no this wasn't in a jumpstart pack this was in my sealed i did and i thought there's a lot of legendary creatures in this set i'm gonna try it out right like um and it was okay because like there are a lot of legendary creatures but sometimes it didn't hit the card you needed to hit Right. And like they don't like some decks don't go that hard onto ring bearer stuff, right? Yeah. But I know overall, like it is pretty good, but like eh. I mean, I guess it's like a C, right? <laughs> like, right. Yeah, it's probably kind of it feels a bit like including a main deck naturalized. Maybe like sometimes you go for it because it sort of fills a hole that the rest of your deck otherwise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The 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 fact that it's only two mana as well, I like I feel like at least for for sealed and draft, so much of this is um, the, well, maybe not so much. I feel like there's a lot of importance on early game tempo. Yeah, this uh, being double white slows it down significantly, though. Yeah, but like if you can answer your opponent's first couple creatures, mm-hmm. uh, then you're you're way ahead. Uh, I was doing a sealed game where my opponent, uh, I was just playing the Easterling Marauder, whatever it's called. It's just a two one, the Piker that amasses one when it dies. Yeah. Right. I was just trying to play that. And my opponent cast Reprieve, the white remand, right? They yeah. Two of those. Mm. So it's like turn two, Easterling Vanguard gets, gets reprieved. All right. Turn three, Easterling Vanguard gets reprieved. And, and they're up two cards now and they play a one one yeah they've replaced these cards i'm way behind they're getting to start developing their board and they just ran away with the game you know and it's similarly if if you can use cheap removal to uh kill your opponent's first couple creatures uh like if if you can if you can sort of win a tempo micro game over the first two or three turns i think you're in a really good spot for the rest of the game yeah once you are once you are behind it is hard to stabilize in this format because like there's a lot of creatures that bring two bodies right there's a lot of like three drops and four drops that bring a one one token with them and stuff like that like there we talked about the dunlin crabane and there's all of the red cards and there's like a couple of white cards that are sort of like the rohim flavor zone and so like obviously you can play those cards to stabilize but if you were already behind and you're and you know your opponent has a good start you could maybe you know not play anything for the first three turns or something like that or not stick anything for the first three or four turns and meanwhile they now have three creatures on the board and like sure a couple of them are little one one tokens but that's not that bad in this format that's useful so 
Yeah, about reprieve, I don't know what feels worse. You know, my sympathy or empathy towards all the Magic players going through the pain of playing against Remand and Limited and learning that this card basically has the same words on it as Time Walk, only it's an instant. Or the fact that when I had to do that, as I just double-checked, it was fully 18 years ago. Um, <laughs> so I've got a couple of terrible feelings. It's not so much mixed. It is due to different flavors of feeling horrible about that. But yeah. <laughs> My I mean, heart goes out to you. They do say that culture moves in twenty-year cycles, so like you know, <laughs> we're we're in for our uh, for our reprieve. Great uh, era. Good grief! Giant spider reprint now. <laughs> God. Um, something that I do want to say about uh, cards that absolutely just end the game is in the one sealed I've done, I got two shadow faxes. Oh, mm. shadow fax is so good. If you yeah, can untap shadow with Shadowfax, I won a game last night because I untapped with Sha I had Shadowfax and like two other creatures. And the two other creatures were just gonna be like unprofitable. But like I was like a like it didn't look like it was a good attack, but I had Shadowfax and they couldn't profitably block Shadowfax. And I had, a, I had like six mana. So and they were at eight life. So I attack with Shadowfax, my two creatures, which they use their two blockers to eat, which makes sense, thinking they're going to take four from Shadowfax. Using the free put it into play tapped and attacking, I get that goblin fire leaper we were talking about earlier, and then pay the six mana to pump it to get them dead out of nowhere. Wow. And like, I was at 10 life. This had been a very swingy back and forth creatures are trading, doing things. But yeah, the second Shadowfax was good because it's kind of a kill on sight for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, so... I mean, it sucks if you don't have any creatures in hand, but it is a 4-4, so it's not so bad. Always carry two Shadow Faxes. Yeah. Horses get lonesome if you just have one. Oh. <laughs> I have, I mean, I, not that I have a huge number of events under my belt on Arena, but I have lost uh, at least two games to uh, absolutely wild, like, four or five color uh, whoops-all-legendaries um what's the fixing for that bad <laughs> it's not good like there's not a lot of fixing there's like what like the woes protector uh what was a pathfinder Wo was a yeah there's, sorry Wo there's rockets there's rockets and that land that casts wizards rockets spells. yeah uh there's the shire terrace and many partings and and great hall of the citadel is like surprisingly decent at casting off-color bombs right which one's that so it's a common, and it's a land. It's not legendary itself, so you can have multiples of it if you need. Oh. Taps for a colorless, and then it has one and tap, so it's kind of like uh, Uncharted Waters or whatever. You know, they, they make a bunch shores? of those. Yeah, Unknown Shores, right? The classic, like, filtering. Um, but but this land doesn't produce mana while you're filtering, right? Only it does. It adds two. So it's like oh. you, you, you get the mana back from this land, and you get two mana in any combination of colors. So it's like perfect mana fixing, or like the best you can ask from one card, basically. But you can only spend it to cast legendary spells. Okay. But, but a lot of times when you're splashing, it's for a legendary spell. Yeah. And if your plan is to pick up two or three of these in draft, you can also kind of just double splash out of color if you want like if there's just legolas counter of kills going around like oh. you already took two great halls like you can get away with and it. there's a cycle of cyclers i forgot about that the cyclers yes. yeah the cyclers are all pretty good yeah yeah I, I hope those cards stick around i really like where they've got these basic land cyclers Me too. yeah right they're now. high cost cards if you draw them late and you don't need the land cycling maybe they're good they're generally like more 
they're like C plus creatures, right? They're not like amazing, right? But like, I'm happy to have one. You know, it can find as an optional curve topper, or if I have it early, it's just like, yeah, land, right? Very nice. Yeah, it was what ended up killing me in the game that I'm thinking of uh, was that first they had it's the uh, Urken brand, Lord of Westfold. Uh, card's good. So three, three human soldier for three and a red. Whenever it or another human enters the battlefield under your control, creatures you control get plus one plus zero oh until end of turn. I'm there a fan. Are couple cards that make more than one human at a time. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of scary. Um, but also uh, that and then where is she? Looking for Eowyn? Is it Eowyn? Probably uh, Eowyn. Eowyn. Fearless Knight. Yeah. yeah. Two red white for a 3-4 with haste. And when it enters the battlefield, Exile target creature an opponent controls with greater power. Legendary creatures you control gain protection from each of that creature's colors until end of turn. Mm -hmm. So I had a blue-black deck. I can't remember what the creature was, but they exiled a four-power blue-black creature. And so then all these legendaries that they've been making just got protection from all of my all of my creatures. Yeah. And they had haste and all got boosted because of Urken Brand and yeah, it was a slaughter. Oh. Yeah. Hey, can we talk about Faramir? Actually, this card's messed up. Um, uh, it's a rare. Uh, two white blue for a 3-3 three, three human noble. Mm -hmm. This is Faramir, Prince of, uh, Prince of Ithilien. At the beginning of your end step, choose an opponent. That's when the trigger goes on the stack. This is a, like a super delayed, delayed trigger. Uh, but it's at the beginning of the controller's end step. So unless you immediately on-site kill Faramir, something's going to happen. The trigger has haste, yeah. Yeah. At the beginning of that player, so the opponent, at the beginning of that player's next end step, you draw a card if they didn't attack you. Otherwise, create three 1-1 one, one white human uh, soldier creature tokens. Barf. And that happens every turn. So it's just like, what? I, I don't attack you. And you just get to draw two cards every turn. Or I do attack you and you make three one ones. It's so messed up. Yeah. There is uh there That's definitely so is the chance of you milling yourself out in this format. Oh. If you're too greedy. <laughs> if you dig too greedily and too deep? Yeah, yeah. Like I have definitely like uh won a game on zero cards. <laughs> and my opponent had like ten or something like that. Wow. Because when you combine like your drawing cards with your ring bearer, mm -hmm. right? You can pay to like fair like. There's lots of other effects that draw you cards, right? This is you get to draw a lot of cards in this format. So there's a bunch of looting and rummaging too, yeah. right? Like yeah, all, yeah. It's like some of it you don't notice because it's just your ring bearer attacking. I also think that the ring tempts you. Maybe it has more to do with the structure of what actual cards ended up in the set, but in general, like. Um, a mechanic that gives the creature skulk and then also lets you profit from attacking and deal damage, dealing damage to the opponent with it. I think that lends itself to 
games that are either over really quickly as like both people just like have to commit to this race or get into like a big long standstill as you're just like okay i can't commit these three creatures because i've got to be able to block their ring bearer and then they also have a flyer so i'm going to leave this thing home and then like i've got to have one spare because they have three cards in hand so i'm not going to attack this turn but if i can get like three more creatures than them then maybe i'll be able to attack with one of my flyers or something you know and like the opponent's doing the same thing you're both making a legendary skulk creature and like like i've just seen i've had a few games where this scene it feels like the ring tempts you has pushed us to create this board stall and i don't really like board stalls and i think i'm fairly decent at not letting them happen by accident right like i'm, I'm usually okay at finding my correct attacks mm. um but i the board stall situation is another one of these like sometimes you mill out you know enablers i guess or Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like yeah, I'm attacking factors. you for one a turn. Yeah, and and, and each but, turn I deal you one damage. I also have to dig. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. Uh, I also just because we, um, I didn't mention it when I was talking about the ring, uh, the ring tempts you earlier. Uh, I do really like from a flavor perspective how there are certain cards like Gandalf and Galadriel, uh, who like super do not want the ring. Yeah. Like, no, no, don't. I cannot hold this. Do not tempt me with this. And so it's like, if you are tempted by the ring and you choose a creature that's not them, you get a sizable bonus mm-hmm. um, by not picking them as a ring bearer. And uh, obviously, that's, a, that's just a powerful thing mechanically, but from a flavor perspective, I love that. Yeah. No. It's, yeah, this card's it's messed cool. up. Gandalf, friend of the Shire. Again, another one of those powerful uncommons. I haven't been wrecked by this yet. Yeah. I've been wrecked by this. Pretty often. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Three and a blue, two, four, flash. So it's just, you know, good blocks. Only two power, but high toughness, so it can eat uh, some number of ring bearers. Uh, you get to cast your sorceries like Birthday Escape, as though they had flash. Uh, and then if you choose a creature other than Gandalf to hold the ring, then you draw a card. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah. And he's a two four, which is a really good blocker in this format. Right. That's true. Like, that's a power. That's a, a f- that four toughness is really powerful. Because there's, I feel like, you know, there's a pretty steep, like, you get up to four toughness, but that's a, almost as high as it goes, right? Um, there's very few creatures with sort of naturally above four toughness. Uh, and there's a lot, but there's a lot of creatures with three power. Kathleen, stating obvious and boring so, things that are clear for No, it's cards. okay. Yeah, it's important. No, I mean, what, I'm just trying to think, like... We already saw at the PPR the the overwhelming synergy that's possible, like in the in the Scry deck. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the Scry deck is absolutely messed up. If you can get all the right parts, I did pretty good with like missing a bunch of it, right? Well, that's the thing is that there's so many potential parts that like it's there's no. I I feel like anyway in the Scry deck specifically, there's no linchpin. There's no single thing that it's like, well, I thought I had the scry deck, but I never got the, this one uncommon. The the blue green Arwin is probably the linchpin of that deck. That card but, is messed up. But That's you, the payoff. But the thing is you you really don't need that. Like even just the look out lookout and chance yeah. met elves is like that's enough, right? Yeah, the chance met elves will just get you with one other piece. You can be like chance met elves and anything, and now you're going. Yeah. Right? You're, you're, you're just bigger four. than your opponent's creature. Yeah. yeah. That's messed up. How, How, go ahead. Oh, it's just just like sort of a, a broad strokes. Uh, is is this good? Is this fun? 
I'm this format. It. I've been yeah. enjoying it. Yeah, it feels like a core set, and yet it's fairly complicated. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like like getting mm-hmm. the getting the vibe of the cards is pretty like pretty quick and easy. Like you know, you got your spry cards, got your mass cards, got your ring cards. Like, and you can sort of tell which home most of the cards want to be in. I want to say faster than a normal set. Does that make sense? Like, it, it just seems like the cards grok pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, the cards have fairly, like, clearly delineated groups and color themes that they go with. Like, hobbits care about food, and elves care about scrying, and orcs care about amassing, and, you know, like, stuff like that. Like, so that is, like, easy to pick up, even if you're not super familiar with magic, which is definitely intentional. Also, I've never been asked so many times by arena if i had fun in a match when i was playing lord of the rings jumpstart <laughs> oh really they didn't they just turn that thing up to 11 probably because they're thinking this might be where new players come in right it's a super it's an uh, it's like it's an inexpensive on-ramp where you get to experience magic and the cards in a super low stakes environment right i saw um speaking of sort of the uh the complication i just wanted to share this incredibly cool line that i saw um, I think it was this mercifully this was not against me. I think I saw this in a game that Kenji was playing where um the opponent had they had a one one army and the um attack from the black gate uh yes. sort of the the two mana enchantment. Yeah, two mana enchantment. Yeah, and, glad we're and, talking about this card. Yeah. There we go. March from the black gate. Yeah, yeah. So so this card's really cool. Let's just talk about this for a sec. So one in a black enchantment, when it enters the battlefield. And whenever an army you control attacks, mm-hmm. you amass orcs one. So uh, what's what's bad about this is that if you lose your army, it doesn't do anything. Yeah. You have to get another army and attack with it to grow it. Right. Right. But it does start itself off. So they had this. They had the Gandalf I mentioned. Uh, and their 1-1 one, one army was their ring bearer. So... They go to attacks. They attack. They they attack with several creatures, um, and then with the uh, with the amass trigger, they had to attack with that army to get the amass trigger on the stack. With that trigger on the stack, sacrifice their one one army to nasty end because it's the ring bearer. It's legendary, so they draw three cards. Then the amass trigger resolves. They have a one one a new one one army that's no longer attacking, but then they can sacrifice that to lash of the balrog to to kill something and this they 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 had two things that required sacrificing uh sacrificing creatures and the only way to do that was to attack get the black gate trigger on the stack respond to it so that then they got to sack the one one and then the second one one what a great line from your opponent yeah it was it was great it was very cool did they end up getting the March the Black Gate to turn back on next turn? <laughs> I do not remember. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> Did they kill two of your things and then you just played another bomb and then killed them, you monster Graham? Yeah. I don't know. They drew they drew three cards there, so it's probably fine. Yeah, I think that's a good example of how March of the Black Gate ends up working out. Like this is a card where you look at it and you think, like, oh, well, if my token gets murdered, then I get nothing else from this enchantment. But like, you already got at least a one-one. I mean, it was only two mana. And obviously, you don't want to pay two mana for one one that doesn't do anything else. But like, it's it's potentially like a Tarmogoyf on its own at uncommon. Uh, I mean, they, I've definitely they just don't block it. I made an eight eight army with this card. Yeah, with no help, just hitting them, and then eventually they're chump blocking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like they just don't want to block a two two on turn three sometimes, yeah. right? Yeah. After a certain amount of turns, this just says the abyss. Yeah. Uh, if 
your this is a pro tip that I uh, I learned during War of the Spark uh, when people were playing the Heartfire deck, forgot, uh, and then learned again um, uh, rudely uh, in a game here. If you are at four and you're playing against red, and uh, the card I'm talking about here is Improvised Club, mm. by the way, um, just for Paul's benefit. It's one in a red instant as an additional cost to cast it, sack an artifact or creature, and you deal four damage to any target. Uh, we're so trained to always do things at the last possible moment, you know, <laughs> instant speed, right? Um, I should have eaten my food on my turn when they were tapped out. Because what oh. happened is, goes to their turn, they pass the turn, at the end of their turn, I pay to activate the food, and with that trigger on the stack, they club, they use the club and... And got ya. And kill me. Oh. So yeah, you don't, you don't always want to wait. It's true. Brainstorm on your main phase, kids. Yeah. It's a fine thing. I want to ask, you've been drafting, Graham, and my Twitter feed has an opinion, and I sort of, in my limited experience, I haven't, I haven't played a ton yet, but so far it seems like the the various values, the sort of hierarchy of the colors is a bit polarized. Like it's a bit more um, blunter or obvious and a little bit less nuanced than some sets, which is like maybe, maybe true of most core sets. You know, I think back to like core set environments I, I liked and like not all of them were totally balanced. Um, do you have a feeling of like what your favorite two color combo is or, you know, not being swayed by incredible rares where you're going to end up usually? Not really. Um, have have we already had the the sort of the the um, the the court of public opinion decision on that there is a bad color? I don't know if there's a bad color. I think it's just that red and black appear to be like the most popular, and then like the other three are like not as as popular. Or or think, it's like green is like nobody likes green or something. I think green has a lot of good stuff in it. I mean, I've done a couple sealed and yeah, some drafts, and I don't know. I mean, yeah, obviously black has a lot of powerful cards. Um, but like I've seen, I've seen a lot of white going around. Just no one. Uh, I think in two of the drafts I've done, it was just super open, and I ended up with a pretty sweet deck in one of them and a medium deck in the other, and the results sort of bore that out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I have not personally noticed anything being particularly. Um, stand out compared to others i don't know have you i've dropped yeah so i've just been drafting mardu decks so far like i've i've been white red and black red usually um i know like what a decent looking blue green or green white deck looks like from matches i've judged and, and watched but it just kind of we were talking earlier about how if you can it often benefits you a ton to kill their early creatures like just because of the nature of the ring tempts you if you can just like keep them from attacking until after turn four um then you're kind of in business in this in this environment and i think red and black are sort of the best at that with like golems bite lash of the balrog we talked about earlier there's morgul knife wound which is a common doesn't actually stop a creature from attacking but usually they're going to sacrifice it and then in red there's like a really good incinerate as well as like a one mana combat the, trick yeah. In, yeah uh, indestructible yeah loses indestructible they take three uh, damage smite the deathless 
exactly. There's also like a fire. There's two two mana to deal one damage to each of up to two target creatures mm-hmm. uh, cast into the fire and breaking of the fellowship. So these are all two mana. So like a bunch of decent removal in both these colors, which is typical. It's just maybe a bit more relevant in this format where, you know, if you can, oh yeah, there's even uncommon, I forgot about Ranger's Firebrand. That one's really good too. Um, you know, if, if you're able to kill those early ring bearers, then the opponent's strategy sometimes gets stymied. And so I think, mm. I think that's part of what's pushing the value of, of these. But yeah, I haven't, I haven't actually drafted blue very much. So I'm curious if like you have any tips for, core blue things because whenever i'm opening packs and i see like no one's taken a blue card yet i'm usually just not as interested as like trying to take a hobbit or take a an, a mass card i think blue is good as a secondary color but i wouldn't want to be primary blue to be honest with you i'd want to be like blue white or i don't know how much i'd be vibing with blue red i mean the sure. blue red spells there's the two one that uh pings every time you cast a cast a spell um, right but that's a red card yeah, no, yeah. No, I'm, I'm just I'm, it's I'm, good. I'm supporting you in that. Yeah. It's good with birthday escape though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. there yeah, I guess if you're in a primary blue deck then you're looking to be a a, tempt, a temptation deck. Right? right, okay. Like you're going with black almost yeah. in that vibe. Yeah, I think so. I think that's where you're probably I think that's where blue is doing most of its heavy lifting. Otherwise, it's the support in uh the blue green scry deck with like that 2-1 that you can make unblockable and hit for 3. Um with, the blue white creatures are pretty beefy. Like at uncommon, there's yeah. there's a four four flying, and then I suppose yeah, if you open up Faramir blue white, then you just gotta dig your but heels means, in and make that plan. Yeah, yeah. What what you said, um, like what I was talking about earlier with it's like however you deal with it, if you can deal with the early, with like the first couple creatures, then you're in a really good spot. And red black has a lot of cards that can do that on the first couple turns whereas blue and white and green don't have as many green ha- having the least i like stew the conies is three mana mm-hmm. and you right. need a creature to to do it to do that um and you know blue you've got the reprieve uh or, or, or sorry white you've got the reprieve blue you've got the um soothing of smeagol or whatever but those are not as those are much more sort of temporary setbacks as opposed to now this is not a problem for me yeah which is again still very good if you can temporarily set your opponent back like like nelson yeah. said the you know the the instant speed time walk but right yeah it's Reprieve's ultimately more effective to just kill it yeah yeah like you have to you have to deal with playing something like hithlame knots right it's like one in a blue for instant and just tap our creature and scry one and like some games you're just going to spend that early so that you're you can spend your mana yeah. I try to have a curve to, to stop your opponent's creature from attacking you. But then later, hopefully, the scry one means this is like three other cards or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's like, I don't know. I just find if my my plan for my deck involves like spending whole cards to buy a little bit of time early in the game, I'm usually nervous. Although it replaces itself. So I guess it's not that much different from Reprieve. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I'll, I'll probably put some time into experimenting with blue in this format. I feel like blue but, is like always the bridesmaid never the bride in this format which is fine sure like go that tastes great with uh, two great tastes that taste great together blue and other colors 
<laughs> yeah, excellent. But yeah, currently overall where I'm at right now is still enjoying this format. Um, think they did a pretty good job of making it easy to pick up for new players, which was really smart. You mentioned that as well earlier, Kathleen. And uh, yeah, I'm still looking forward to exploring it more and trying different things out. Yeah, yeah. No, I've, I, I, uh, with the with moving the moon base, I have not had an opportunity, or as I've not had as many opportunities to just really jam in some events as I would have otherwise, or certainly not as I want to. Um, so I'm looking forward to playing more of it. Honestly, like I. I certainly am not like yeah yeah I played some and it's fine and I'll I'll play more. No, I am I am eager to continue playing more of this. So uh yeah, yeah no, I'm I'm very much enjoying it. How about you Kathleen? More jump starts in the future or I'm done with jump start. I've seen okay. the cards. Now I'm going to be mo- like I've when I have a bit more time I'm just going to start I'm going to do some drafts. Like I would like to do a draft. I was just like I don't know if I have the time and energy to spend my gems on this, right? Free to play for life, baby. I have a lot of <laughs> for you. I have a lot of jump in tokens kicking around. I might do some of that for funsies, uh, for funsies as well. Yeah, they give you five, and still, it's like a thousand gold, so it's very cheap. You get to keep the cards, I think. Do you? Yeah, it doesn't matter. I think you, I do. Think you probably do. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Unless not, they've changed it, they're not like super amazing cards, but sometimes you get a cool rare. Do we know if the uh, if the jump start only rares? From paper, are on jumps to jump in in arena. I, think I have they not usually seen them. are. Oh, really? Okay. I have not seen a single one of them, but that doesn't mean they're not there. There's only five. Yeah, I think like from previous sets, I believe that you can play Tiny Bones in like on, on Gladiator or whatever, right? Yeah, like uh, Tiny Bones is. But I don't know if that doesn't exactly answer your question. But I feel like it's it's typical. Yeah. I will say I'm curious to know. Uh, just because I, I talked about it so much earlier, I'm curious to know, having not played this in paper outside the PPR, I uh, would love to know from anyone watching at home who's had a chance to play this in paper, because actually, uh, um, have you played this in paper at all, Nelly? Not yet. Yeah. No. Is the is tracking, is keeping track of the, the ring emblem as annoying as I think it is? Because <laughs> right. on Arena, everything's handled, right? It's just like, oh, you get tempted, great. You're at level two, pick a ring bearer, and you just sort of move on. And I, I feel like it's more cumbersome on on paper. So I've been in at least, yeah, one paper game, sorry, since since the set released. And I don't think it was that bad. And at the PPR, you know, like we just had... Yeah, PPR is a different experience. I know it's a different experience, yeah. but like I, I do think that the technology we use in the PPR... For for the in for the like the players just at the table, mm. I think it's clear enough. Um, so if you just have like one of those cards they give you from the packs and you put a dice on it, like that's worked so far. Okay. Yeah. So definitely not. I think it honestly isn't as bad as like day night, right? Like that that one's oh. particularly ch- tough because yeah, you know, even though there's only two states and it's the same for everybody and like it affects cards on the battlefield and like, you know, there should be a bunch of visual evidence. The problem with day night is that you have to keep checking constantly. Whereas with the ring, it's like, Oh, what level am I at? And then every time the ring tempts you, it's like, okay, I just go up one. Yeah. Day night is hard because you are not only tracking changes of information, you are tracking lacks of information because you flip when you don't cast spells. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I didn't do anything. So something happens is, a contradictory state for a brain. It's like extra hard to remember, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, fair enough. 
curious to see what you in the in the comments feel about well i mean about anything we said really yeah how are you doing in the format please let us know please um but yeah does anyone unless anyone has anything further i no. think we'll call that an episode i've contributed as much as my feeble brain will allow i feel i have shared my thoughts on the format so far yeah. Excellent. Yes, myself as well. And so then, uh, until next time, a reminder that Tap Tap Conceit is brought to you by Card Kingdom. Check out Card Kingdom. Ask for a button. Tell them we sent you. They're a good bunch of folks. And uh, this show and everything we do is brought to you by you and your kind of support of our Patreon at patreon.com slash loading ready run. We really appreciate it. Until next time, I've been Graham, joined by Kathleen. Hi. Nelson. Hi. And Paul on tech. Heather gets these online. Thank you all so much for watching or listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.